Hello and welcome back to Brand Your Brain, the podcast for brand designers and online service-based business owners. I'm Robin, also known as Brands by Robin, and I'm discussing all things brand by providing knowledge, guidance, and tools to help you attract more clients and feel confident in sharing your unique personality while doing it. Welcome back to the podcast. Today I'm here with a special guest, Kenzie Green. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, I am the founder and face behind Kinsey Green Design. I am also the co-founder of the Brief Collective and Robin's on our team. And I'm freaking excited to record this episode and talk about all things high ticket versus low ticket clients. Yes, I'm really excited. I want to talk about that and also some of the ways that you can spot red flag clients before you take them on based off of our experience with high ticket versus low ticket clients. Now, I've only recently stepped into the world of high ticket design clients, if you will, after (laughs) I went through DBA University. But Kenzie is one of the coaches of DBA alongside Marissa Baguette. And she is not only a luxury brand and web designer, but she also teaches this stuff to students. So I thought that you would be the perfect person to do this with. So I'm excited. I feel well equipped. I'm so glad because I don't. What is what has been your like like once you booked a high ticket client like I know you sent me a voice message but did you immediately notice like key differences? Yeah, 100%. Like the main difference here between this client that I booked and a couple of other like 6k clients that I booked even that is higher ticket for me. Um they all came prepared. Like some of them came into the intro call with knowing what they want, what kind of um, what kind of their business is looking like and how their business is functioning and running. And one of them came with a whole ass Google Doc, like filled with everything about their business, their whole team, all of the contact information and everything that they need to know about how they started and where they are now and like what the future looks like as well. And that's the main difference for me is people coming prepared not necessarily with instructions of what to do but just have an idea of what's going on in their own business yeah I think that I've kind of experienced that same thing I mean when I was working with lower ticket clients oftentimes I think that it just happened to be that they were newer in business which is why they were looking for something lower ticket and because they were newer in business they were less prepared they weren't clear on their goals and I've back then I was put in quite a few situations where they were just like dumping all of their ideas onto me. And I'm over here, like, I'm not a business coach. Like I'm a designer. Like you need to have at least like some type of foundation for me to be able to properly assist you. Do you often maybe have people coming to you expecting more because you're a design coach? Because a design coach and a business coach are two different things, but maybe people don't realize that. Uh, I mean, my clients know Like they don't really like, I'd say I have very few clients who even know that I'm a quote unquote design coach because like in my bio, it literally just says CEO and then the brief collective. And like, if they never go click that, then they probably have no idea that that's what I do. So, and that's probably a good thing in some situations because I'm so transparent about like clients on my podcast that Mm -hmm. like. Sometimes I don't know if I want clients listening to my podcast. Like the good, the good dream clients, I've had a few of them who know about my podcast and listen to it. But other than that, like they know I run a design academy, but like that's as far as their knowledge goes. Oh, okay. I love that. I hate when people come and expect you to do everything. I think a lot of people are they're confused on the difference between like a brand designer and like a social media manager and a business coach and they expect like one person to do it all and it's not especially on such a tight tight deadline like if you're a client and you don't know what the future looks like for your brand why and it makes sense that these people are lower ticket clients because why would you invest thousands and thousands of dollars into a result that you're not even sure whether it's the right result for you or you want it you know yeah I mean, I'd say like nowadays I'm so clear in the fact that like I offer brand and website design and that is my specialty and that's what you're going to get. I don't really have that issue anymore, but when I was attracting those lower ticket clients, I probably like, I still feel like I was pretty clear on the services I offered for quite a long time and still had experienced that. 
but I think that just comes with the territory of working with lower ticket clients is that they're less experienced. They haven't worked with a designer before. They know that they need help in all of these different areas. And like, this just goes back to the main issue with our entire society and the design industry is that everybody tries to be everything and cut prices down. And then it creates confusion among the marketplace. And then people think that a graphic designer is also a social media manager and vice versa. And it's like, no, like keep these things separate unless you really know what you're doing, please. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And for one brand to do all of those things well at once, it would have to be like a multifunctional agency to have like different specialties like that and it's so important to have your own specialty what was I gonna say (laughs) that happens to me all the time (laughs) Uh, I was gonna say like yeah like if if somebody is offering different specialties they need to be in like an agency like they have to have in my experience they have to have multiple people doing those different job offerings like Marissa offers social media management, but she's literally an agency. Like it's MB Creative Agency. Like it's mm-hmm. not a one-person show. So like, I think that is where a lot of newer business owners completely just it goes right over their head. Yeah, and I think that's good. Something that you teach in DBA as well about that is the fact that you are like a single business. And you don't have like a whole team like Marissa does. And then Marissa runs like a whole agency. So it's good to see the perspectives from different people and how you can still book high ticket clients and be successful, whether you have a team of people or not. It's not about the amount of people that are helping you. It's more about what your specialty is and who you choose to work with and finding those clients to come to you. That's how you find the high ticket clients. Exactly. I feel like there's a really big misconception that like, you have to be a fool in agency to charge like 15k and it's like no you don't you just have to connect with the right client and deliver something that's going to get them results and bring value to their business yeah. it doesn't matter if you have a whole team of people or not you know actually that reminds me of something i just saw the other day one of my clients is a luxury photographer for weddings and she is very open and transparent about money And she was sharing how she was like on track to do a hundred K in one month. And somebody was all up in a fuss about it because she's a one woman business. And she's like, you wouldn't have said that to me if I was like a multi-billion dollar corporation. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I, I don't really understand why that's an issue. Like there's enough money to go around. Like if you are providing a service, you can get paid as much as you want for the service if people are willing to pay it and you're delivering on what you say you're going to deliver. Yeah. There's no cap on your like earning potential. Um, and I think that you don't have to, as a designer, you don't have to come straight out of the gate providing everything and knowing everything. You have to take the time to really figure out who you are as a business before you can figure out what type of clients that you work with. Um, what type of things I know you started, do you start off with like singular logo design? Yeah, when I started, I was offering logos, brochures, business cards, literally like anything that I could do as a graphic designer, I was offering that. And I was also struggling to book clients and doing work I didn't enjoy and not getting paid enough because I was offering way too many different things. And I remember one time just like going to client red flags, I had this lady call me for like a intro call this was back before i used zoom so they would get my phone number which i don't do anymore Ew. Never do that. <laughs> yeah and i was on the phone with her and she's like explaining to me what she wants to do on her website and i'm like like i don't think she had a clue what was happening because i was confused and i was trying to break down what she was saying to me and this lady literally got angry at me during an intro call and hung up the phone and she was like I don't think you can help me like it was literally like I was slightly traumatized because like I still remember that phone call like I design is not like so simple sometimes especially if you dive into like web design like it gets complex and you want to attract quality clients who are going to understand the complexities and be willing to work with you on those things because if not people are going to get mad at you and it's not even going to be your fault (laughs) yeah 
I think, oh my god, I can't. You used to take an intro calls over the mobile phone. That's horrendous. Yes, mobile phone. <laughs> I'm so scared wait, of that. Wait, have you not heard my story about this? Oh my god. I don't think so. I, okay. When I first started, I had this one client who had my phone number and she started texting me like we were friends. Ew. Like all the time. And like, you know, I like becoming good acquaintances with my clients and building long-term relationships and helping their brand. But this was like beyond that. She was texting me like, and this was when I was still in college. She was texting me like all the time, just random stuff about her family and like just acting like we were BFFs. But it also became really toxic because she would also text me ideas about the project we were working on. And at some point I was like, okay, this has got to stop. Like, I'm done with your project. Here, take it, pay me. And then I don't know if I just stopped responding or what, but like that was the incident that made me realize I should never give out my phone number. Yeah, I'm I'm so scared of that. And I think that it's something, having a professional communication system is also something that can help you elevate that experience and book higher ticket clients because they're looking for an experience that they're going to remember. I recently had a client that it was revision after revision after revision. I'm talking like four or five. And on that fourth one, before we did the fifth one, they decided to change the name of their business. Um, So that was really, really fun. And I did it. Um, And they were charged for all of these revisions based on what I charge per like my contract and stuff but I was just so over it and I was so done with it I just couldn't and this has actually happened twice in my whole design time two clients have changed their names or changed their tagline or changed something completely that whole messaging throughout the project halfway through and then expects me to make accommodations to that because it's not the same as like a color change I don't think you have your whole brand in Adobe Illustrator and you want to change some colors. Like there's features on Adobe Illustrator that help you do that to all of the elements at once. But when you're changing the name, you have to start again. Um, and that's that sucks. And I should have noticed that this was going to happen or something was going to happen like that. I should have spotted this red flag when they put in the inquiry form two different business names and they said, I'm kind of unsure on the name, don't know what oh, I'm going to go I knew you were about to say that. Mm-hmm. But they said, I'm still deciding between yes. blah, 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 blah. Like, no, don't work with me until you're firm. <laughs> I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. And she was like, they were like, ah, oh, this, that, or the other. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. And then in that revision, when they changed the name, it was something completely different to the two that were on the inquiry form. Absolutely should have spotted that. But I was like, yeah, I'll help you. I'll work with you. And we actually worked together through the brand strategy phase where we chose a name that aligned with the strategy and we were going forward and it was going well. And then they were like, "Mm, actually, I want to change it to this name that makes no sense. Um, So I should have spotted that. And that's a red flag that you should also spot. And that project was like $1,000, $2,000, something like that. It It wasn't very much. And it took months to complete. I'm talking like three or four months. The longest project I've had to deal with was probably the more recent one where I was working with that corporate team of women. Mm. And like, I will say most of my bad experience were at the beginning of my design journey when I was charging lower prices and attracting lower ticket clients. But in the event that I did have a bad experience with a high ticket client, it's because I took on someone that wasn't aligned with like my values and like who I wanted to work with. And I knew that and I did it anyways. And like, I still like, I keep learning that lesson over and over again. And like, I, I am at the point where I think that I will never ever do that again after that. Like I knew when they inquired they're okay, they're in corporate. That's not my vibe but it was a big project and it was all women. So I took it anyways, even though deep down, I knew, I knew, no, I shouldn't be doing this. And I did it anyways. And every time I do that, I screw up and regret it. So like, even with like high ticket clients, you still have to be true to like, you literally have to listen to your intuition and identify like, is this actually a project that I'm passionate about or not? Because it's not worth the money sometimes. It's really not. 
as I agree. I think that I've done projects for like 2000, 3000, something like that. And although they aren't high ticket at the time that I was doing them, they were a lot of money for me. And mm-hmm. I just remember being miserable throughout it and not feeling motivated to do it, not wanting to do it. And I just thought I would rather have not have this money than have to do this yeah. right now. <laughs> you know? Like, just take the money back. I don't even <laughs> talk to you anymore. And I, just, I don't want to do it. I think that's another thing that is a more common occurrence when you're not charging what you need to be, because then you get these clients who aren't sure about things. So they're more difficult. They're not ready to invest. So then they have more doubts and then it makes your job as the designer harder because they don't trust your process. But then also you start to build resentment towards the project because you feel almost exploited and taken advantage of in a way. And like, it's not necessarily the client's fault. It's kind of your fault because you should have charged more, but you didn't. And like, you let yourself get into that situation. And like, I think every designer has experienced that on probably more than one occasion. And I feel like that's just part of like how we learn. Okay. Let's not do that again. (laughs) Yeah. And that, experience combined with like a contract that is just no good is like a recipe for disaster so if there's anything that you want to do when you first start your business is have a solid contract because if you find yourself in this situation you're going to be able to cancel a project if you don't feel comfortable with doing it and you're just going to have options to be able to leave get out of there because could you imagine taking on one of those projects and then you stated in the contract that the project just like can't end or you've got no way out or there's no cancellation fees there's no like no communication fees so they just ghost you and you just you don't want the money you just want to be left alone and you can't do anything about it because you don't have a contract let me tell you about this i forget that like we haven't known each other like a super like years and years and years you know i feel like we have because like we work together and see each other all the time virtually but do you do you know about that time where i'll just i'll just share it i'll just share it okay (laughs) at the going to contracts at the beginning of my design journey i had like this pdf contract that i like you know kind of pieced together and this was when i was still in college like i was nearing graduation so i wasn't even like full time yet and i had this lady sign on a project with me and she paid her like 500 deposit and then i never heard from her again this was the first time this had ever happened to me so she Paid. I never heard from her again, followed up multiple times, never heard anything. And almost a year later, like around the time COVID happened, she emails me wanting $400 back from her deposit. <laughs> and guess what I did? did I, went, do it? I went to go look at the contract I gave her. And you know what I did? I let her give me the money without signing the contract. So (laughs) I did end up refunding the $400 because I was like, my younger self was not looking out for my future self. And I let her give me this money without signing the contract. So there is nothing legally binding us. And I just don't want any, like, I don't want any bad reviews. I was a super new designer. I was like, let me just give her this money. Even though I really, at that time, like I was not making, you know, a sustainable living. I really like needed money but I was like I don't want any like issues so take it leave me alone so always 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 make sure the client signs the contract before they give you money (laughs) yes 100% and I do this as well I send the contract and then I wait until they signed it and then send the invoice I never I used to send them together and I don't do that anymore because some people would make the payment and then send the contract afterwards and I'd be like oh well but they paid me before they signed it I don't know how that works so contract first wait until they've signed it, then send the advice. Because once they've signed it, they have an obligation to pay that deposit if they want the project to start. Well, now my system, Hello Bonsai, that I use for invoicing and stuff, they just rolled out a feature where on the proposal that I give them, like everything is interactive. So like there's buttons they can click, but when they go to accept the proposal, I can actually set it to force them to pay a deposit in order to accept the proposal. So like- just by them even clicking the button saying yes to this project, they also have to immediately pay money right then and there. And I guess that technically means that in some way they've like legally binded themselves to the project by accepting the proposal. 
I don't really know how that works, but I think that's a really cool feature. And I have used it on more than one occasion because I have had times where clients will be like, yeah, I want to move forward and then like never hear from them again. So like having that feature that makes them pay money, like it, it means like, you know, I mean business, like I'm serious. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Um, I'm so scared of that. I'm, I'm so scared of money. Just like give me it and I'll give you what you want. Or if you're going to be like a pain about it, uh, I'm going to be miserable, then I don't want it anymore. Like, I'd rather have no money. And, like, I've lived a life with no money. As we were talking about on Sunday in the client camp workshop, it only takes one client to see your stuff, to inquire, and you book a high-ticket client. It only takes one. So by turning down work because you're spotting red flags or because you, you know, your prices are too low or their budget is way out of what you're charging... By declining that, you're not then cutting off your client opportunities in the future. More will more will come if you're consistently marketing yourself. That mindset is why you were able to book a 10K client so fast. Oh, because I reject people left, right, and center now. <laughs> that's the problem. Designers are so afraid of losing the client that they aren't willing to up their price and like say a high number. But because you were like, had no money before i don't need it you were able to say that number with confidence and not be afraid to do it and like that's i'd probably say like 70 percent of the time what's stopping designers from charging more is just a simple fact that they're too afraid to lose the client yeah and i would rather have no client and spend time more time on my marketing on the podcast on something else maybe even building my templates for my store passive income and spend more time on that than work with a client that makes me miserable especially if it's for an amount of money that's just like way too low um and yeah i reject more client offers now than i accept yeah i and sometimes it's hard to reject people like that's and, and it can be because one, like, there's always a little fear with rejecting, you know, because it's like, well, what if I don't have another client lined up? Like, there's always that in the back of your mind, but you have to do it anyways. But then also, it's kind of like, how do I politely tell this person that I don't want to work together? And usually, I just word it as, based on this information, I don't think that we're going to be a good fit. But here's a list of other designers that I think could suit your needs. So like I try to still help them and like do it in a nice way, but sometimes it's really hard. Yeah. And I saw somebody online the other day refer a client that they had got to Fiverr because they the inquiry that they got was like filled with instructions on how they wanted things they wanted one logo design and they applied to a brand identity designer and they gave instructions on how to do it so they directed them to fiverr to just pay someone a little bit of money to just do what they wanted to do and i got an inquiry last night that was really similar to this i put it in discord last night and i don't know if you've seen it oh my god i haven't oh my god so i got an inquiry last night from a person who has five brands they have no. one, one parent brand. <laughs> it was so bad. One parent brand with four sub brands underneath, four of which are completely different industries, niches, completely different, but it's fine. I continue to read. And then this client listed out each of the four sub brands, wrote a like one line about what this business is and what it does, and then just provided instructions of the logo designs and how they wanted it to look all the way down to like the font choices that they wanted me to use when I did it. And they wanted it by January. <laughs> it's December, <laughs> by the way. Like, if that's not like one of the biggest red flags I've ever heard, I don't know what is. And it's so funny that like, they're such big red flags, they give themselves away in the initial inquiry. And mm -hmm. it like saves us time. Like, I don't even need to have a call with you. I already know you're gonna be a nightmare. So goodbye. <laughs> 100% like, that question in my inquiry form that says, tell me about your business is ask me asking you about your business. I want you to come with me, come to me with the information prepared about your business so that we can work together. Honestly, you wouldn't go to a restaurant with your own ingredients and tell the chef how to cook your meal. Like that's not, that's not how it works. Period. Uh, literally. <laughs> like if you want a designer that's going to do exactly what you want, you need an employee. You do not need to go hire an independent service provider. And 
that's something that I try to tell new designers as well. Like the client is not there to walk all over you and tell you what to do. You are there to guide the client and you are the expert. Like that's another thing with low ticket clients is they think that they're going to pay a little bit of money and they tell you exactly what they want and you just do it. Whereas high ticket clients are coming to you because they value your expertise and trust you to make the right decisions and the best decisions for their brand because they know that that's not their area of expertise. Yeah. And a lot of this you can spot directly on the inquiry form. It's about learning how to spot it because you can tell, you can like get an idea of their budget and you can tell how easy or difficult this client project is going to be just from the way, like the language that they use in the inquiry form. And it takes time to figure that out. I remember right as right as I started DBA, I think I got this client and I quoted 5K for this client. It was going to be my first 5K project, but it wasn't because the one after it was my first 5K client. It was right before DBA. And I remember I was on a team meeting with you guys and my personal success was that I had a call that went really well and I quoted 5K and she was so happy and she was ready to invest, right? And you asked me how the call went and I was like, oh my God, it was so good. But the call went on for like two hours and we were just like talking and she was talking about so much and all these ideas that she had for her business, which was felt like it was great because it felt like she was just really passionate. But she was like, I want these different types of products. I really want to get um, so specific about the type of packaging that I want to do and stuff like that. And you said to me on that call that that was a red flag. Yeah, and I told you they weren't going to vote. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I got ghosted by her. She never got back to me. Yes. Literally, if, okay, if they write like, less than one sentence in the inquiry form bad bad don't have a call if they get on a call with you and the call goes over 30 minutes bad bad hang up the call they're not going to book with you like those are the two dead giveaways if it goes over 30 minutes it means that they are doubting your process and they're having way too many ideas and way too many questions because of all of those doubts and they're just going to waste your freaking time in situations where like you just feel like something strange, like you were saying, like it was just a weird scenario, that's literally your intuition being like, uh, no. Yeah, 100%. I'm so scared of that. I, you can just tell, you can just tell. And it's about learning and you, it happens over time. Like you're not gonna start your business as a designer and then have all the ideas in the world about the high ticket clients and the best clients and avoiding all the red flags like you're going to have poor experiences and that's just how it is um but hopefully you can avoid some of those um yeah but like the thing is I think I try to put myself in other people's shoes like if I was a brand new designer and I heard our conversation I think that I would still make the same mistakes we're talking about because I do not think that you can basically like have the willpower to reject these red flag clients when you're a new designer because you haven't experienced the pain that we're talking about yet (laughs) yeah 100 you have to have the crappy experience to then say okay yeah i never want to do that again and that's where you learn the lesson it comes when you've already experienced it so it's going to happen and if you had a shitty client experience, then it doesn't make you a bad designer. It just makes you a normal designer. I, I read someone's post the other day, or actually this was a long time ago. They wrote a post like, there's no such thing as bad clients, only bad designers. And I'm like, um, no. <laughs> like, Who you wrote can- that? I don't even know. You can have like the best process. You can be the most experienced designer. You can be charging the right rates and you can still get a bad client because Mm -hmm. sometimes people just will not give up control of certain parts of their business and they do not understand and are not willing to understand the complexities of design. And they're just bad clients. Like they're just going to be bad clients. And like, no matter where you're at in your journey, you're going to run into them. Even with all, even with the list of red flags I've accumulated over five years, I still had two bad clients this past year. The corporate team of people, mm-hmm. and then I was also fired by a $12,000 client for the first time ever. Oh, yeah. And both of those times, I knew when I took on the project, 
that it was not the vibe, that it was not a good fit for me. Like, so it's like, it's hard to avoid them. Yeah. Especially when you are fully self-employed. Like if you're a design, I think this is what the difference was, was because when you are a designer that has a job on the side and your job pays you enough for you to live, then your design business being like your side hustle, if that's what you want to call it, you have the freedom and flexibility to be able to comfortably reject projects without worrying about finances. Because I think that that, the money is really the biggest fear right there. Because if you reject a client project, you're like, oh no, now I'm going to have no money unless another client comes along and who knows how long it'll be. But you just have to, you just have to do it. Like, I don't know what else to say. And it's just, you can't, the high ticket clients are not always like that top 1% of people. They're not always rich. They're not always got all the money in the world, but they may be people who have been watching your profile for a really long time and waiting until their business has had more growth and started bringing in more revenue until they know that they're ready to invest in your services. And they could be watching your profile in that process right now while you're sat there thinking, oh, I've got no clients. I'm just going to stop posting on social media. I'm going to give up when they could already be watching you. So if somebody comes to my call unprepared, totally no idea what they want to do, it shows me that they haven't really sat on it or thought about it for a long time. Their business is in that kind of gap thing. You want to talk about that, that gap? You posted a reel the other day about how... The brand growth gap. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. You want to talk about the that? Brand. So basically, I was talking about how like, new business owners most of the times aren't ready for a brand identity until they get to a certain point in business, which I refer to as the brand growth gap. And during this gap is when they are ready to invest in a brand identity designer, because during this gap is when they get to a point in their business where they realize, oh crap, I only have one logo to work with. My colors aren't consistent. My feed looks like crap. My website sucks and I have no guidelines to follow and I'm expanding and growing so fast. I need to get my shit together. That's when you hire a brand identity designer. Now, I will say there are rare scenarios in which a brand new business owner can hire a brand identity designer and it be successful and they have a high budget. Like one of my 12K clients was starting a business on the side and she had a full-time job and she had been following me for a long time and she knew exactly what she wanted to do. So it was still a good fit. But I will say that's like a super rare scenario. Like usually the people who are ready to invest a large amount are experiencing that brand growth gap or they're a business that has been around for years and years and years and like it's just time for them to naturally rebrand again yeah um i think that a lot of these startup businesses it's difficult because in order for branding to be to bring a solution, offer it to work in a way that it's supposed to work, you need to have an understanding of your brand's foundation, like what is in your like positioning. And if you're new out of the gate, fresh start in your business, you're still figuring that out even for like the first year. I feel like I've only just got really clear on the clients that I serve and you know, the way that I position myself in the design industry since coming out of DBA. But this whole year before, I was just taking on random clients, doing whatever I wanted to do. Um, and not really niching down by anything specific but now I know the people that I want to work with and all this kind of stuff and it's made everything easier it's made building the branding for my own business easier it's made the strategy and the marketing easier for my own business Um, so yeah you can't expect to have this is I think the number one issue that I see with a lot of designers as well and I did this when I first started and it's when they have in their Instagram bio that says like uh, branding for small businesses or branding wait, for new wait, businesses. Wait, my favorite, my all-time favorite. Branding for passionate business owners. Please, please, please. Everyone is passionate. We know. Right? We know. <laughs> passionate, passionate business owners. Who is that? <laughs> like is it everyone me? that owns a business? Like, we need right? to do deeper. I'm like, and if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my God, that's my bio, I'm sorry, but you need to go change it. We're giving you nuggets of gold here. <laughs> you need to change it. Make you need it to change your bio. <laughs> I always suggest, when I've had coaching calls with people, I've always suggested to find an adjective that describes your 
target audience. If you can't think of anything else, just think of one one word that describes the type of person that you want to work with. Mine is unconventional. Um, and I feel like that just kind of embodies the type of person that I want to work with because they're all just a little bit weird. Um, but yeah, just that one adjective because you can start to narrow down from there and then you narrow down even further and further. But passionate business owner, small business owners, anything like that, it's attracting those people who aren't clear because it's so broad. That's a really good point. That's a really good way to put it. And like, you're going to grow and change and evolve. Like just because you like get specific right now, doesn't mean that that can't evolve into something else later. Like for me, I've rebranded my business probably like four times. And here recently, I actually went back and kind of redid my messaging a little bit because I was getting clearer on who I really am speaking to and yours is unconventional. Mine is people who are in, or women, I should say, who are in their dark feminine energy. I love that. Yeah. I'm so happy that I finally figured that out because I was like, you know what, like the messaging on my website and my bio, like it's all right, but it could be better. And I feel like I really need to do exactly what I teach my students in DBA. I need to revisit like the brand foundation, who I'm talking to. And I sat down and literally spent like multiple hours describing the people that I like to work with. And I finally figured out, oh my God, it's the dark feminine energy. Like this is what I'm speaking to. And like from that, I was able to restructure my messaging and all of that in a way that makes sense. But again, like I've evolved and rebranded multiple times because the more you work with clients and the more you just get to experiment with your creativity, like it changes. Yeah, 100%. And Oh, and it's so difficult to try and to try and like help new designers or people who are starting out because they want to get clear on themselves they want to brand themselves but they don't have much experience they don't know who they want to work with they want to book these high ticket clients but they feel like they can't because they haven't done it before but also they're unclear of kind of the people that they want to work with and they're not attracting the high ticket clients so I think just having these low ticket poor experiences is inevitable but the faster that you can learn from it and put work into your business to make workarounds around that, the better. Because that's what I did. Every single client project, I went back and I revisited my inquiry form to avoid something that maybe happened. I used to get hundreds of inquiries a month and now I get like less than 10, less than 20 maybe. Um, and a lot of them are really good projects, but it's just making small tweaks throughout your business to attract these high ticket clients and not the low ticket clients. And I think one of the best ways to learn who you really want to work with and find your style and all of that is by experimentation. And one of the best ways to experiment is by making content, putting your work out there. Like I cannot stress enough how much potential lies ahead of you. If you just push yourself to put your work out there on a consistent basis, like For me, when I was getting ready to go full-time in my business, I was literally manually making work and posting it Monday through Friday on my Instagram account. And by doing that, I was not only able to get better at my design skill set, but I was also able to get clearer on who I wanted to work with and how I wanted to show up. And like all of those things feed into the process of ultimately becoming a designer who can command those high ticket rates. Yeah, I did the same. I posted every single day. I tried every brief, every passion project that I could do alongside my client projects. And I know a lot of people say that they don't have time for it, but you have to make time. If you look at a passion project like it's a client project, you have to make time for it in your schedule um, because it helps you to grow that aspect of your business. Um, and it helps not only your business growth, but also your personal growth through your business. So it helps you understand who you are and who your brand is. Um, um, yeah, that's all. That's the end. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, we have to talk about that for a second, though. The fact that running a business, becoming a designer and making content literally changes who you are as a person. And I think that a lot of designers because they're not pushing themselves enough to put themselves out there and make content step out of their comfort zone. They're struggling to book high ticket. Like it's all connected. Right. So like 
I, I don't like talking to people. I'm still technically an introvert. I love to be alone, love to stay in my house, but I'm able to show up on social media with confidence and have client calls because years ago I pushed myself to make content and step out of my comfort zone and like do all of these things that I needed to do in order to grow my business. Even though like I was going to school full time, I had homework. I wanted to come home and take a nap and just stay in bed. And I was freaking tired, but I still got up and made content and worked on my business because I knew that's what I had to do if I wanted it that bad. Like you're going to be tired and exhausted when you start a business for like the first year or so, because that's just like, that's just the process. (laughs) Unfortunately, That's how it is. That is how it is. I'm a parent and it is exhausting to run a business and be a parent at the same time. But you, if you want the results, then you have to put in the work. And if you are putting in the work and you feel like you're working yourself to the bone and nothing's happening, that's not because there's no clients and it's not because of whatever other reason. It's not because the algorithm hates you. It's because you're putting effort into the wrong thing and you have to experiment and try different things, try different styles in design, try different methods of marketing and give it time to work. Because if you are posting consistently every single day for six months and you're not seeing any result at all maybe try a different approach to your content but don't give up posting completely you know I think something that frustrates me as a design coach is people will post like three times a week and then they'll give it a few weeks and be like this isn't working I'm not getting clients I need to go get a regular job and it's like listen if you want it that bad double your freaking content, double how much you're showing up. Like it is going to take a few months to see real results, but if you're doing it consistently and pushing yourself, something's bound to click. Like you, you can't fail if you never stop trying. Yeah. I am. I think that what a lot of people also do is they try something for a month, two months maybe even, and then when they see it's not doing results, they they do pivot and they try something new, but they only give that one like a couple of weeks before they're like, oh, this really isn't working, so I'm just going to go back to what I was doing before. And the constant changing your mind and going back and forth is actually doing more damage. And if you want to attract clients consistently, then you have to give that same energy. You have to be consistent. And that's just how it is. And it sucks because <laughs> social media sucks sometimes. But if you want to be a freelancer, you have to do it. I think that, like, it, it just blows my mind that we have these opportunities at our fingertips and some people aren't using it to their full potential. Like, yeah, you think, like, just, like, you know, 20 years ago, maybe less than that, when you became a graphic designer, if you wanted to go work for yourself, guess what? You were showing up at in-person networking events and doing presentations to get clients. You weren't posting something on your phone. Like the contrast between how hard it used to be versus how easy it can be now with the right implementation and approach is crazy. Like if you are desperate for clients, there's something at your fingertips that has a connection to a world full of clients and like it just it just kills me when people are like i need clients so bad and like they're not like if i need a client so bad i'm gonna double my content creation because i know at any given time somebody could see that and hire me like it it's it's right there in your free Mm -hmm. hand (laughs) Like, and not, not saying that like social media content creation is always easy. It's not, it's hard to put yourself out there, especially if you're new and it's hard to make content consistently and it's tiring. But in my opinion, that's a heck of a lot better than having to go show up at in-person networking events and do presentations. Yeah. You have so many opportunities to reach literally millions and millions and millions of people and there's going to be at least one person in there who wants to hire you for what you want to do and you have to get yourself out there and it's just I know a lot of the times it's confidence for people that stops them stops them posting but you can 
post content without showing your face if you want to i personally think that showing your face and sharing your voice tends to be more impactful but if you're just getting started you don't have to do that straight away um you can show up on your stories showing your face and sharing your voice because those are like they're not as big of a commitment because they disappear so that's a good way to build your confidence but yeah just just get yourself out there because there could be a high ticket client watching you right now and if you just say oh I'm gonna give up I'm not gonna do it anymore because it's not doing anything you're never giving that client a chance to actually inquire so yeah that's that's true and I mean I didn't you know I didn't want to put myself on social media when I first started either but it's part of, it, it contributes to the success of my business. So eventually it just became like second nature. Like yeah. for me, social media is not work. And I think you said the same thing. Like social media is not, like you don't view it as work. Therefore it becomes like easy and fun. And it's easy to incorporate into your daily life because you don't view it as this like dreadful thing that you have to do. Especially if you don't take it so seriously. And just let yourself just be a bit more casual and be yourself online because people are going to be especially if you're niching down by like the type of people that you want to work with is usually by like values or personality rather than a specific industry i know you do that i do that as well so just showing up as yourself and making it fun and doing what you want to do in a way that can benefit the client it doesn't it doesn't really feel like work and it's just getting that out there the only work part about that is the discipline to actually post when you need to post the actual content creation the editing everything else that surrounds it is fun and it should be it should be fun and you're gonna suck the first 50 times you do it but eventually if you do it long enough you're not gonna suck that bad and then you're gonna not suck at all and then you're gonna get good at it and then it again feeds into the success of your business and you're gonna see those real results and you're going to be even more like I was confident when I started my business, but I knew my work sucked, but I was still confident that I was going to make it work yeah. because I literally was like, there is no plan B. Like, this is my only plan and I'm going to make it work no matter what. And because I led with that like mindset, even when my work sucked, I was able to keep posting it and be like, let me keep working on my design skill set so that I don't suck as much anymore. And like, eventually I didn't suck. I think that people worry that clients are going to be turned off by that situation. But for me, I found that uh, I had clients inquire earlier this year because they saw a specific post that I made that was of, um, I did a passion project for a, a, a kids event agency or something. And I posted it right at the start of the year. And I remember in the caption, I put like, I've been working on this for however long, whatever, um, if I were to do this again, I would do this because this is a strategic things that I want to put in here. And I knew that I didn't have, like, I could see what was in my mind, what I wanted, but I didn't have the skills to build it. And then a couple of months later, when I developed those skills a little bit more, I rebranded it and I did that same project again, implementing what I wanted to at the beginning. And I had so many people inquire and it's not, you don't have to shy that away when you don't have the skill for something and you're building it. You don't have to hide it. Clients want to see that you have the ability to learn and adapt and grow as a person, not just like this random business. Because if they wanted a, a logo machine, then they'd go to somewhere like Fiverr. But the clients who are going to value your work, they want to see you be a person and learn and grow and develop. So do that. Don't be scared. Just post yourself. <laughs> it's fine. I open up lately. I've been opening up my like external drive and going back to old projects and I opened some of them up and like, these were projects that I did get paid like a few thousand dollars for. I was still newer. It was still when I was raising my prices, but I go and look at it and I'm like, the fuck, <laughs> like, what, what was I doing? Like, like the contrast isn't there. There's not enough like pages, but like I was still charging thousands of dollars. So like, just that in itself shows that like you don't have to know it all and be great at everything to start raising your prices like you can get paid to learn along the way and people are still happy to pay you because like they're gonna meet you where where you're at like if they see your work right now you're not happy with it that's cool but they might still be happy with it and want to pay you for that work 
Yeah, that's the thing about like attraction marketing is that a lot of people who are raising their prices, myself included, before I went through DBA, I was like, I am a self-taught designer. I don't feel like I am skilled enough to raise my prices. And if I did quote a big number like 10K, I would be worried that a client would not get enough value from this because I'm charging $10,000 and I don't really know what I'm doing or whatever. And I understand that mindset, but with attraction marketing the clients are coming to you because they're drawn to you based off of something that you've done they want to hire you and they've seen your work and they want to make it work and they're willing to pay that amount of money to get something that you provide so if you want to raise your prices then do it because the people who want to invest in it and actually want it will pay for it so you don't have to worry about not having all the skills in the world because as long as you can find the people who want to pay for it then that's it. That's all you need. Bam. Okay. Is that our ending? We, huh? I said, is that our ending? I think so. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I still feel like I don't know what to post. I don't know how to show up on social media, blah, blah, blah. Highly recommend going and purchasing the Brief Collective's Client Camp Workshop replay. Robin was there. Other TBC team members were there, and we walk you through your brand foundation. We walk you through attraction marketing. We even give you exact examples of video ideas and how to show up on social media. We go over secret ways to obtain clients and ways to elevate the client experience for $27. Like, this is an absolute steal. Like, if if you can afford $27 this is going to be a game changer for your business moving into 2024. So 100% the best $27 you will ever spend. And I would have killed for something like this when I started my business because I didn't have a lot of money and there was just so much value in this call. And I learned something. I learned a lot of things in that call. And I know that you, you like amended the, the workshop right before it started to add in something that you had recently learned like everybody's constantly learning so it's there's some good secrets in there so grab that i'll put the link in the top of the thing like and this goes back to like we're always evolving i literally just discovered like this new marketing strategy that got me six leads on one video and i share exactly what it is exactly how i did it in the client camp workshop because like we truly believe there's room for Every designer in the industry, we're not competition. We are literally community and we need to be supporting each other and all raising our prices together to make the industry better and break this starving artist mentality. Love it. The whole foundation is built up of everything about (sighs) no more starving artists, no more starving designers. We're not doing it. I love it. Um, Okay, that's the end. I don't know how to end podcasts. I never do. So I just say that's the end. I don't even say that's the end. Like I just, somebody will say like one word, like the ones that we've done with you, you'll be like slay or something like that. And I'll just like end it right there. Slay.